Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Welcome back to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. I am Evan Grote, your host, and before we get into it too much further, I do want to wish everyone a happy 4th of July. Uh, I hope everyone can find some time over the next couple of days here to get together with your friends or your family and do a little bit of celebrating and have a little bit of fun, but be safe, of course, while you do that. Do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. If you have friends or family that are Raiders fans, let them know about the show and where they can find it. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and let them know where they can find me on Twitter as well, at egroat 5 I'm always sending out links to all of the new episodes. And, you know, if you are, you know, not only a big Raiders fan, but just a big sports fan in general... Uh, because I am the producer at sportsnot.com, I'm also posting links to all of the interviews that we're doing there on a weekly basis. This week alone, we have an interview with Nick Friedel, um, ESPN, he discussing NBA free agency and, and with the start of Wimbledon, um, the third major in tennis uh, of the year that starts next week on Monday. So we, we had an interview uh, previewing that as well. So we, we cover it all over there at sportsnot.com. And like I said, if you're fans of more than just football, give it a shot and, and check it out. Now on the show this week, um, we will discuss Josh Jacobs and his, and his contract situation. It's the biggest story going right now. Uh, 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 surrounding the Raiders. It, we haven't gotten much of an update since the last time we spoke, but we did get the thoughts of one NFL insider and how he thinks it could play out. We will talk about uh, we'll talk about that and, and what the Raiders may have to do if a holdout does happen with Jacobs. And, and, and then in segment two, we will continue our Behind Enemy Lines tour and take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers this week. They finally broke through last year. Got to the playoffs under Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert. They blew that 27-point lead. It was an embarrassing loss for them. But we will talk with Tyler Shoon, uh, co-host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Those guys have had me on their show before, so I thought it would be time to return the favor and have one of them on. Their podcast is part of the Blue Wire Network, and they recently had their podcast picked up by uh, Chargers Podcast Network on the Chargers.com website. So that's pretty cool. Congrats to them. Uh, but we will learn about the Chargers and what they are looking like heading into training camp. Now, speaking of training camp, we will get the, sto- uh, the show started there. Excuse me. Training camp 2023 will get underway on July 20th when the rookies will report to camp and July 25th for the veterans. So we are about four weeks away from football. And it is hard to believe that a new season is upon us already. I think many of us, in fact, I know many of us, are ready to turn the page on that disappointing 2022 season um, and start to look ahead to the, to the future as the Raiders are now in a rebuild 
And what's in store for some of the new faces on the roster and, and some of the young players that are on the roster as well. Now, in my opinion, this season feels more than ever like a fresh, like a clean slate. And I know it's the same coaching staff that's been around now for two years for the most part. They did make a couple subtle changes here and there. But when the franchise decided to move on from Derek Carr, uh, to me, that was the end of an era. You know, Carr was the last link to the Dennis Allen days, to the Jack Del Rio years, the ugly ending to the John Gruden 2.0 era. He was the last connection to all of those all of those teams and all of those years, uh, which were mostly dysfunctional years. And and that I'm not saying that because I think Derek Carr was the problem. Um, as you know, I've said it many times. I thought he was part of the problem, but not the sole problem. Um, but to me, it just feels like a completely different operation right now. A brand new start, brand new lease on life, as they say. I feel rejuvenated as a fan. I was tired of the divisiveness, the you know, the division within the fan base, the drama. Over the last few years, I'm excited about the Raiders again. So I'm looking forward to the start of training camp. I want to see Tyree Wilson in action. I'm looking forward to uh, you know, getting to see Michael Mayer. Is he the real deal? Can Ja'Korian Bennett become the starter and at cornerback that this secondary so desperately needs? Those are some of the things that I will be looking at early on in camp. You know my thoughts already on the schedule. We talked about it on the show when the schedule was released and how I think this season could play out. There could be some growing pains along the way. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm excited, but I'm also realistic. The defense could be relying on a lot of young players, uh, linebacker, a lot of inexperience there, the secondary, a lot of young players there still trying to come into their own. But I think in year two under McDaniels and Ziegler, a lot of new faces, what 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 I am looking for are some signs of growth, some signs of life, development from young players, uh, buy-in from the locker room, cohesiveness, those types of things. Stuff that things that we were hearing rumblings of during last season, you know, players not totally believing in the coaching staff. I'm looking for all of that stuff to kind of be squashed this year. Now, it may not show up in the wins column immediately for the Raiders. So, again, I'm pre- I'm going to be preaching patience. Now, the big storyline, uh, as we are about four weeks away from the start of training camp, is Josh Jacobs. Just a few weeks ago, I had a pretty good feeling that I thought he would be back before the start of training camp. I thought, I assumed he would sign the franchise tag and be on his way, Okay. I think now, as as I sit here today, I think the odds have significantly changed. Part of that is because I gave out some misinformation that I want to clear up now, by the way, and I apologize for that. I originally had stated that if Jacobs does not show up to the start of training camp, that he, then he would begin to receive fines for that. I was wrong on that. After doing more research and more reading on the matter... Jacobs, in fact, will not be fined 
if he does not show up to the start of training camp because he has not yet signed the franchise tag, which means he's not under contract with the Raiders. So they cannot find him if he's not under contract. So it's very, very possible now that this stalemate could carry on much longer than I originally had thought. So I'm definitely um, feeling like the, the, the panic meter has gone up quite a bit since the last time we discussed this in, in great detail. Now, Jacobs would not begin to lose money until week one, where if he was still unsigned at that point, he would begin to lose out on game checks. That's where he would start to lose money. So again, if Jacobs is really dug in on this, which it seems like he is, and it also seems like Dave Ziegler is as well, he could potentially be away from the team uh, until at least September if, if he wanted to play hardball. NFL insider Tom Pelissero was a guest on the Rich Eisen show uh, this week, and uh, he shared his thoughts on Josh Jacobs as well as Delvin Cook and some of the other uh, Saquon Barkley, other free agent running backs out there. But he shared his thoughts on Josh Jacobs and how he thinks this could play out. I'm going to play that piece of audio for you now in case you have not yet heard it. Well, I mean, there, there definitely could be some drama, especially when you get to those franchise tag guys. The one that nobody's talking about Josh Jacobs. Is, is Josh Jacobs, you know, the, the reigning NFL rushing champion. Um, you know, at this point, if there's not a, a long-term deal, and I believe I mentioned this when I was hosting last week, I, I don't anticipate Josh Jacobs being there at the start of training camp, and I don't know that he shows up week one. Um, you know, with Saquon Barkley, he's also mused about potentially sitting out. That one's a little harder to believe, in part because there have been negotiations. They've talked about different contract structures. The Giants are motivated to uh, try to get this thing done. But, you know, neither of those guys have signed the franchise tender. Only Tony Pollard has. And so you can't, you can't find uh, Saquon or Josh Jacobs for not showing up. All right, so that audio was courtesy of the Rich Eisen Show. And I think it's interesting because, uh, as you, you just heard uh, Palacero mention, there's been some movement. In, in the Saquon Barkley contract negotiations with the Giants, we have heard of absolutely nothing with the Raiders and Jacobs. One thing we have heard from the Raiders is that they love the player, they love what he stands for, all those positive things about him. But as far as the contract negotiations, we have heard nothing. Now, I also think it's interesting because I just don't know if it's in Dave Ziegler's DNA to pay top dollar to a running back. That just was not the Patriots' way, and that is where he cut his teeth. I've already mentioned numerous times that the Raiders are in a rebuild. Clearly, there are needs that still remain on the roster. And as good as Josh Jacobs is and was for the Raiders last year, is it in the best interest of the team long-term to invest in a running back at let's say 14 to 16 million dollars over the next four to five years because that's what he's going to want. He's coming off an all pro year. He's 25 years old. He's looking for the payday. And he's going to want to be among the top three highest paid running backs in the league. And if in order to get that done, it's going to take between 14 and, and 16 million dollars, I think. And, and so, I don't know. I, I mean, I probably lean towards the answer being no, that it's not in the best interest 
of the team long-term because what we have seen from the past when teams have paid the running backs, it has not worked out for them long-term. Now, it does seem like the two sides are a ways apart. If you follow Josh Jacobs on social media, which I'm sure you do, he's been making all kinds of passive-aggressive comments and tweets. It doesn't sound like things are progressing. Now, deadlines do force the issue at times, and the deadline to sign the franchise tag is quickly approaching. I believe it's July 15th, I think it is, if I'm not mistaken. So we will see, but this situation has a lot of Raiders fans stressed out. Now, the last part of this topic that I want to discuss is what happens with the Raiders running backs situation, I should say, if Jacobs does decide to hold out. Maybe even he misses some games, who knows? But what is plan B at the at the running back position? Of course, they do have Zamir White and Britton Brown, who were drafted last year. Didn't play much at all. <laughs> uh, I don't think Britton Brown even dressed for most of the games, but make no mistake about it, those two guys were drafted for a reason. Perhaps this is it. Maybe Dave Ziegler had the foresight to see this potentially happening. I give him a ton of credit if if that was part of the plan, which I'm sure it was. This current regime seems totally content on embracing a youth movement, so I could see them feeling comfortable with the combination of Zamir White and, and Britton Brown. They could also look to the current free agent market to bring in some help as well, which is not exactly robust <laughs> in, in you know June uh, 30th, right? A month away from training camp, but there's a couple names out there, guys who have some experience in the league, if that's what you're looking for. Leonard Fournette would probably be the most attractive one to me based on uh, what I feel like he has left in the tank and a combination of his age, which is 27. Uh, so I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Fournette be the guy. I don't think he would cost a ton either. Zeke Elliott, uh, he looked finished to me based on what I have seen from him in recent years, especially last year, but he's also available and he could be a, a good mentor to, to, to some of these young running backs. Kareem Hunt is also available. I think he took a step back last year as well, but he's only 27 as, as well. I mean, there just isn't much out there, but those are guys, those are guys that, you know, could be an option. And then, you know, as training camp does get underway, once the, uh, cut down day occurs, there's going to be a ton of players that become available, especially at running back. Uh, that could be possibilities as well, but it, there's no doubt about it. It would certainly be a huge loss for the Raiders offense if they are to be without Josh Jacobs uh, for any part of the season, but that's just how the business goes. And it would not be the first time um, that the Raiders have had to deal with something like this. Um, maybe a trade could even be on the table and think back to uh, Khalil Mack. I mean, I know the the situations were a little bit different, but when it comes down to it, it, it um, it's about money and, and what uh, the coaching staff and the front office feels a player is worth. So, you know, Raider, Raider fans are no stranger uh, to this sort of thing. But we're going to have plenty of time to discuss all of this as we get a little bit closer to training camp and, and, and when we find out exactly what Jacobs decides to do. But in the meantime, many of you will be waiting on pins and needles.
All right, guys, good start to the show. One segment down, time to get to a break. And when I return, we will go behind enemy lines with Tyler Shoon, who covers the Chargers on the Guilty as Charged podcast. Coming right back at you on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. All right, everybody, we are back here. Segment number two of Just Pod Baby. And before we go behind enemy lines with our guest, Tyler Shoon, I was on Twitter and uh, I came across uh, this tweet from Warren Sharp. Now, I'm not sure if you guys follow Warren Sharp out there. He's an analytics guy. He's not for everybody. Sometimes I question myself whether I um, really value all of the stuff that he puts out there. I think some of the stuff he kind of skews it in a way that fits his narrative. But anyhow, um, he has a tweet out there he put out today, completion rate inside the 10-yard line. Okay, He went through and listed several quarterbacks. This is from 2022 minimum of 20 attempts. Um, Now, I've been pretty hard on Jimmy G myself. You know I wasn't a huge fan of that signing. Uh, But if you're looking for some positives with Jimmy G, here's one I have for you. Completion rate inside the 10-yard line. The best in the league last year inside the 10 was Daniel Jones at 68%, followed by Ryan Tannehill at 64%. Coming in at third was Dak Prescott, 63%. And then fourth on that list was Jimmy Garoppolo, 62%. Now, I know Garoppolo didn't play the entire season last year, but um, he's pretty good in the red zone, okay? And that's an area where the Raiders definitely have to improve. Uh, 26th last year in the red zone, converting 48.9%. Uh, in the red zone touchdowns we're talking about here. So that could be a, a positive for Jimmy Garoppolo coming in uh, as the Raiders quarterback this year. I thought I'd throw that out there because I thought it was interesting. I also retweeted it uh, at egroat 5 But we do go out to the phone lines now and welcome in our guest, host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We're chatting with Tyler Shoon, kind enough to give us uh, some time this week as we uh, bring Tyler in as part of our Behind Enemy Lines tour. This week, we're taking a look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Tyler knows the team very well. We appreciate the time, Tyler, and how are you doing? Doing very well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm battling a little bit of a cold right now, but otherwise, we're, mm. do- we're doing pretty good. Uh, you know, Tyler, a lot of Raider fans, I'm sure you're aware of this, they, they like to pick on Justin Herbert a little bit. I, I think there's a little <laughs> bit of jealousy there to be, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not one of those fans. I, I really appreciate him. I think he's a really good quarterback. He got the Chargers over the hump last year, guided his team to the playoffs for the first time. Uh, that game did not end the way the Chargers wanted it to, but I do expect them to uh, be right back in the mix again this season. I want to first start with uh, just some of the new faces and 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 the off season for the Chargers. Uh, let, let's start with the offensive coordinator, uh, Joel Lombardi. Uh, he was fired. They brought in Kellen Moore after a few seasons in Dallas. What are you expecting uh, from this offense now under the guidance of, of Moore? Consistency. I think with Kellen Moore, what the Chargers are looking for is just consistency and consistency when things go poorly, when there's injuries, because glory, the Chargers are no stranger to injuries. And I think with Joe Lombardi last year, there's a world where that offense is actually efficient. And in 2021, they were efficient because most people were healthy, everything was working. But when things didn't work, Joe Lombardi's offense fell apart. Where he looked like someone with Kellen Moore in Dallas with that cross not being healthy or being hurt 
not having guys, you know, the Nico Elliott declining. Things are always consistent. You look at Kellen Moore's history, his EPA per play, his red zone offense. Everything was so consistent for them. I think that's what the Chargers are looking for. I also think the Chargers are looking for more explosive plays. And just looking at training camp, or OTAs, I should say, what's been going on so far, it looks like they're challenging Justin Herbert to move away from what Joe Lombardi was sort of asking, which is this, you know, death by a thousand cuts, efficient, you know, low stakes kind of offense, to pushing the ball down the field more. So, and then they do have the guys too. They have Mike Williams, they have Keenan Allen, who's an underrated downfield guy. They added Quentin Johnson. So they're going to try to be pushing the ball down the field more now. Um, so I think the consistency is, is what they're definitely hoping for. And I think they'll get that. Pushing the ball down the field more is going to be great. And then just a nice, going on the consistency as well, a consistent rushing attack. It felt like you watched the games against the Browns last year and the Chargers committed to something that seemed to really work. And the next week, they completely go away from that. And the next week, they go sort of back to it, but they try something different. And it never really suited the personnel. It was never consistent. So with Kellen Moore, again, I think they're just looking for explosive plays and consistency, which, sure, every NFL team is looking for consistency and explosive plays. But when you have Justin Herbert, you really should be pushing for that, if not more. You know, I'd like to get your thoughts. Uh, you know, we just touched on the new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. It, it seems like... Lombardi was was kind of the scapegoat. What are your thoughts on Brandon Staley? You know, as an outsider, as a Raiders fan, you know, I, I think he could be what's been holding them back a little bit. I know there's been injuries, of course. That that's been a major problem for the Chargers. He loves to gamble. He loves to play the analytics game. I, I thought the Char- Chargers, if there ever was an opportunity to move on from him, I thought it was following that playoff la- loss last year mm-hmm. to the Jaguars. They opted to keep him. How long will the leash be this year should the Chargers not take another step forward? I think for the Chargers, if they don't take another step forward, it's going to be the entire year before we see the Chargers, if they choose to, and if it goes as poorly, fire Brandon Staley. So even with Anthony Lynn and that year, the Chargers were the laughing stock of the league. You look at every game that they were in, they were a joke. And still Anthony Lynn in his fourth season made it all the way to the end. So uh, I, if, if Brandon Staley were to be fired, I don't think it would be during the season. It would be at the end of the season. And I think it would require them not winning a postseason game at minimum. I know there's some AFC championship you know, expectation, I guess, for a team with this much talent with Justin Herbert in Brandon Staley's third year. Maybe that's a bit rich. Of course, we'd love to have that. Um, but I think, if, I think the leash is long enough where they're going to let him work the entire year, play out as best you can. Um, and I guess trying to improve, you know, because even with like, even if the defense isn't so great, they're going to try to want to win games to get the offense going because if they were to pivot away from Brandon Staley, they would still potentially look at Kellen Moore and let him be the, the head coach moving forward. So it's a dicey situation. Um, again, I don't think anything happens during the season. So I think they're just going to let him rock for the entire year. They let him pick his next coordinator. He got a new special teams coach from last season that he got to pick again. So I think this is it. And I think it goes beyond just Brandon Staley. I think if the Chargers do not succeed in the postseason with at least one win, I think it's just an entire organizational change from top to bottom. You know, you, you have a pretty good pulse on the fan base, I think. Uh, what's the overall 
thoughts on on Staley? Does the fan base like him? Is it is it mixed? I mean, with the Raiders, it's it's very much down the, the middle. With McDaniel, mm-hmm. some people you know are going to be patient with him. Others are ready for him to be fired. Last year, what what's the overall thoughts on on Staley? It's definitely mixed, and it just really depends on how you you look at it. If you've been watching the Chargers for a number of years, and especially during our GM Tomkowski's tenure. And I think some fans are a bit more out because they want that. They want the Chargers to be winning right now. They have Justin Herbert. But then again, if you look at the injuries, you look at the Brandon Staley's a new head coach. You know, there are a lot of things out of his control that contribute to the Chargers not being as talented, or not going as far in the postseason as they would have liked to be. So it, it's really it's really split because you could see, even from year one to year two, you know, the Chargers didn't accomplish much. There was improvement with the team. They did literally win more games. They did advance to the postseason. And for a half of the game, they were beating the Jaguars. And the, the defensive play call looked really good. And I think a lot of film people, people that are really into the, the film and the nitty-gritty of the All-22, they love Brandon Staley and what he can scheme up. So it's just about putting things together. Unfortunately, it's, it's, there are more injuries this year. Everyone's going to go regardless of how you feel about whoever it is. But I think these guys are pretty split between, you know, they, they know he's not Andy Reid, for example. Um, they know he's not Bill Belichick, those kinds of coaches. But at the same time, there can be some growth. So it's a bit of a split there. Our guest this week is Tyler Shoon, host of the Guilty as Charged podcast, as we are going behind enemy lines with the Chargers this week on Just Pod Baby. Uh, I want to go back to Justin Herbert a little bit. The numbers were down, as you discussed, uh, by his standards last season. He dealt with the rib injury earlier in the year. He had a lot of injuries around him. Keenan Allen missed a lot of time. Do you expect Herbert to regain his 2021 form with Kellen Moore calling the plays? You mentioned one of the big changes you expect to see is is the ball being pushed down the field a little bit more. You also touched on having another weapon with with rookie Quentin Johnson uh, to throw the ball to. Do you expect to see Herbert bounce back after uh, last season? Yeah, absolutely. If nothing else, the team will be more healthy and he'll be more healthy. I think people really downplay the rib cartilage injury, the torn labor in his left shoulder. You know, and again, we expect so many great things from Justin Herbert. I think we forget that he was hurt, the line was hurt, and his receivers were hurt. So, yes, I think almost naturally there should be a bounce back. I believe at one point last season when the Chargers had Keenan Allen and Michael Williams on the field, the Chargers were like second in EPA per play behind just the Kansas City Chiefs because the Kansas City Chiefs are just amazing on offense. And you, I'm sure you as Raiders fans have seen that every week, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I, I think he should be, this should be his best season. He should know the most about the NFL he's ever known. He should have the right offensive coordinator. This will be the best line he's ever had. It should be the best wide receiver, really one through six that he's ever had. I think this is the best wide receiver and most diverse wide receiver group one through six that the Chargers have had throughout our GM's tenure of 10 years. So I, I think he should be better than he's ever been. And frankly, anything less than that would be a disappointment, or I would tell you that he got injured or something. Uh, what about the offensive line, you know, heading into uh, the training camp? I know they had some some issues at right tackle. Um, they had Rashawn Slater at left tackle, missed most of the season with a torn biceps. How's that How's that group shaping up? I would argue, and I think it's, it's tough to look at the line if you're just looking at numbers for some outside fans, but I would truly say that offensive line is arguably the Chargers' best position group heading into this season. There's going to be uh, some changes, so Rashawn Slater will come back great. Corey Lindsley, all-pro kind of center, great. He's going to be there. 
They retained their right tackle to assistance for $21 million in between seasons. He's a really good tackle, like a top 15, top 20, who should improve again this season, working out with someone like Duke Manyweather. It really is the question mark comes down to the two guards, and those guys are kind of flip-flopping. So they had a rookie left guard, six-round pick, play left tackle last season. He's not going to play right guard for them. And he's better suited for right guard, so I think that's fine. And then the big question mark is Zion Johnson, their first-round pick from the previous season, now moving to the left side to play left guard, where he naturally plays, um, where he didn't play a lot more in college. So overall, the pieces are all there. I think the scheme is there. And just pairing what you can do with Rashawn Slater and Zion Johnson, two guys who are elite athletes, first-round picks, very, very good players, Rashawn Slater being an elite player, I think this team is going to be, I truly think the offensive line, outside of, I guess, you know, the quarterback room because of Justin Herbert, I think the offensive line is the Chargers' second-best position on the team. Interesting, interesting. Uh, wasn't aware of that. Good to know. Good, good, good uh, bit of information there. What about free agency? I know they were big players uh, during free agency in 2022, signing J.C. Jackson, and they made the trade for Khalil Mack as well. And we'll get into uh, Jackson in just a second. But what was the focus this year? Where they were looking to upgrade, and, and what were they able to uh, to get done in free agency? Mostly just retention at this point. The Chargers were at a point where they were in the negative, and they needed to either extend players or restructure players, et cetera, to try to find some room to bring some guys back. So it really just turned into them pushing money this year with Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. That turned into them pushing money into next season, which kind of puts them in a catastrophic spot next year. But, you know, we'll talk about that next year. That's going to be next year's problem. So we'll see what happens with that. They really just tried to retain their guys. So something like Trey Pipkins is back, their right tackle. Morgan Fox, who came over from the Panthers, formerly of the Rams, they retained him kind of on the cheap. So really just about keeping guys and just spending a little bit of money to get things, you know, relatively the same to make that final push. The only, in their eyes, upgrade that they made was was Eric Kendricks from the Vikings. So uh, Kaiser White, White, the previous season, went to the Eagles. Their linebacker was great. And they moved on from him. Drew Tranquil last year, great linebacker. They moved on from him. He went to the Chiefs, unfortunately. Uh, but we're going to do great things with him. So the Chargers, really, their only significant addition was Eric Kendricks. And I think in that regard, they're trying to improve the run. I think third down in coverage and as a blitzer, I think Drew Tranquil last year was probably better. I mean, he is definitely younger. But the one thing that they could maybe improve on in that regard is having a consistent veteran leader in the middle who's played thousands of snaps, and started thousands of snaps and just kind of not only knows what he's doing against the run and all situations, but can get other guys lined up. So really free agency was just keeping guys together and then that one significant upgrade there with Kendrick. Now, I, I mentioned J.C. Jackson was was one of the most coveted free agents last year. He mm-hmm. signed, signed a big deal with the Chargers. It was a miserable season for him. Even at the beginning of the season when he was healthy, he, he struggled on the field. Then he suffered the torn uh, patellar tendon in week seven. What's the latest on his recovery, and, and, and will he be ready for the start of the season? He thinks he is. and it, It's been nearly a miracle watching him recover because you, you saw that injury, the nature of that injury. is It's, it's nearly a career killer. Um, more so than something like a, a torn ACL. I mean, it was a gruesome, catastrophic kind of injury. And yet we've seen him slowly progress throughout the year to where even in the spring, he was out there in a helmet running and trying to cut. 
Now, that doesn't mean that he's 100%. I don't think he's going to be 100% for a while. But last Monday, I forget what date that was, he had a doctor's visit to get an update to either clear him or not for a training camp. We haven't had an update on that yet, but he seems very positive. He's saying, you know, before that, so again, I'm not, I'm not breaking any news here, but he said that he's going to be ready week one. That's what he thinks is going to happen. And frankly, based on his recovery, I think he can be, which really opens up a whole different issue for the Chargers of how they deploy their defensive back this year. What about the rookie class? Uh, is there anybody in there outside of Quentin Johnson, who who we you know have discussed already? Uh, I know he'll be a mm-hmm. big part of that offense. Is there anyone else that they drafted that you think will uh, be counted on to step in here early and and contribute? Yeah, that's going to be a couple of players. So Tuli Tulipolo too from USC is definitely the player they'll have to contribute. And as a second round pick, yeah, that is I guess the next most likely guy. He's only 20, or at least he's only 20 right now. Um, and, but there's a lot that they can do with him. And frankly, the Chargers, they just, as soon as Joey Bosa went down, or really throughout all the years, somebody goes down, they haven't had a really proper backup to come in and really legitimately play good edge football, other than each other and Wosu. And that was kind of a, a temporary thing for them when they had Melvin Ingram, and they moved on from him, they moved on from Wosu, et cetera, et cetera. They want to do so much with Joey Bosa, with Khalil Mack. Right? If Joey's big on confusing the offense, on stunts and doing different things, and they needed a true third edge rusher out there, it was really going to be like edge 2.5 for them, not only because these other two guys, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, you know, might get hurt, might miss a couple of games, but they really want to find a way to reduce Joey Bosa inside and put him over a guard, add in two leads. So he's going to be a big part of it. We'll see how much. He's a very young player. In some respect, I think he is a very raw player, but they're going to, he's going to be learning from the best. The Chargers have a very good set of defensive line coaches. So I think he'll, he'll figure things out along the way. And then I think someone that's really not being talked about is Jordan McFadden, their fifth round pick and offensive lineman from Clemson. Is he going to play a lot? Probably not. I, mean, I really kind of hope not because that means somebody got hurt. But Kellen Moore really loves, if the tight end group isn't working, he's going to deploy that sixth uh, offensive lineman. He's going to add that extra tackle. They've even used an offensive lineman as a fullback several times. It's their whole package in Dallas. So will they do that with the Chargers? I'm not entirely sure, but I think they'll definitely for that sixth offensive lineman to get better in the red zone, short yardage situations. They could use him as a fullback. Um, he's very, very athletic and very, very quick. So I think he's a player that's going to contribute even if the entire offensive line is healthy. I think he's a player that fans should be talking about more or that some other fans of opposing teams should maybe just keep an eye on. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned the uh, edge rusher, second-round pick out of USC. I think it's a similar blueprint that the Raiders – are, mm-hmm. are employing, you know, with their first round draft pick, Tyree Wilson, everyone's got to have a pass rush to try to slow down Patrick Mahomes because they are mm-hmm. obviously the cream of the crop in the AFC West and everyone's looking up at them. Um, one, one more final question I have for you, um, out, outside of injuries, because I, I know that's been a, a big problem uh, for the Chargers, it seems like every year, but what what is mm-hmm. the key for the Chargers to not only get back to the playoffs this year, but but to take that next step and, and win a game, what, what, what needs to happen? Brandon Staley's scheme needs to show itself and express itself in a way that is not just good on paper or good on the drawing board, but good on the field as well. And there were moments where it was like that last year. I think against the Dolphins played a fantastic game, you know, other than a couple of 
you know, bumbles here and there where there's a fumble, fluky touchdown, and someone tripped for another touchdown. They really did pitch almost a shutout with a lot of backups against the Miami Dolphins. You know, there are moments against the 49ers where Brandon Staley's unit looks really good against Shanahan's offense. But it's so inconsistent. And I think that they try to lean so often towards, you know, playing more defensive backs to stop the pass that they struggle so much against the run. Um, they just have done that for a while. But under Brandon Staley, I feel like that's kind of been magnified. Um, the Browns every year rush for 250 yards with one player against this. Granted, that's Nick Chubb and the Browns. Uh, but we watched Josh Jacobs do that. You know, I think the Chiefs are figuring out with Pacheco. The Broncos are going to be running more now with Javante Williams, Maja P. Ryan. So I think for the Chargers to actually take that next step forward, the offense is going to be good. It was almost just good last year, even though everybody got hurt and Herbert was hurt. Special teams unit is much improved. It's really time now for the defense to not be an elite unit, but you have a defensive-minded head coach. You expect more out of this defense. The defense, I don't need them to be top five, but they should at least try to hover around 15, and they certainly can't hover where they have been, which is around like 28th or so. I know there was a point last season where, um, because I know like Derek Carr, for example, for you guys when you had him, he had, I think, the most points allowed by any defense over their career, which I think was Derek Carr. But Justin Herbert, by the time they got to like 50 starts or whatever, it was close to Justin Herbert taking that crown for most, having their defense allow the most points. So Brandon Staley's unit, I think Brandon Staley is very smart. I think they have a lot of players. I think the scheme is good, but it hasn't expressed itself. So they fired their defensive coordinator. They elevated someone else to become their defensive coordinator now. So I, I, that, that's kind of the key here. Everything else I think will be fine, if not good or great. The defense just can't be historically bad. Yeah, they certainly have the personnel on, on both sides of the ball. You know, as as again as an outsider, as a Raiders fan, you look. I look at that Chargers roster, and you know, I see a lot of. I don't see many holes to put it. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. So, uh, we'll, we'll have to see if they can put it all together this year. But Tyler Shoon, host of the Guilty as Charged podcast, we appreciate the time you gave us. A lot of good uh, information there, and I know my listeners will appreciate it. Uh, we'll we'll be following you and uh, keep up all the great work. Thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much. Okay, there goes Tyler Shoon. Uh, sounds like from what Tyler has seen during OTAs and minicamp, the Chargers offense could be more explosive uh, next year under Kellen Moore, looking to make more downfield throws, more explosive plays, and it makes plenty of sense to me when you got a quarterback like Justin Herbert and those receivers, they went out and added another one, Quentin Johnson, another big-bodied receiver similar to Mike Williams. You got Austin Eckler who can catch the ball out of backfield. You got to take advantage of that. And so it sounds like they're looking to be a lot more dynamic here in this upcoming season. I'm curious to see how the defense holds up, though. You know, they've had a lot of injuries on that side of the ball. I want to see how J.C. Jackson returns from the injury he sustained last year. Um, if, if, you know, if they can all stay healthy, what does Khalil Mack have left? Does he have another productive year in them? Bosa, Derwin James, can they all finally put it together the Chargers you know on paper the Chargers have one of the best rosters uh in the NFL really in my opinion but sometimes they're their own worst enemy they just cannot get out of their own way whether it's the coach holding them back whether it's the injuries whether it's blowing a 27 point lead in the playoff game for whatever the reason they seem to just continue to shoot themselves in the foot. But anyways, that's a wrap for this week, everybody. Happy 4th of July to you all. Enjoy it. Be safe. Uh, You can expect to hear from me again in two weeks. 
Uh, we are itching closer and closer to football season. Until then, I am your host, Evan Grote. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and take care. And as always, just win, baby.